Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Ben's over here making it rain. (laughs) He's got 20s for days. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you going to an all-you-can-eat buffet after this recording? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's exactly what's happening. Do you guys have Golden Corral there? Yeah, definitely. I think my kids think that's like the the promised land. They're just like, they went one time, you know, and they're like, oh, it's all you could eat of anything. I'm like, every time I go in there, it's like, it smells like bathroom cleaning material oh 100 like percent. yeah and there. bathrooms <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh yeah do you guys I mean, have i'm not ryan's? above it do you have ryan's uh, buffets we used, we used to yeah okay yeah, oh yeah. man i remember like in the early 2000s me and my boys would like go and just crush <laughs> yeah yeah nothing wrong with that well hey yeah. I, i'm excited for today's uh episode we have hunter Davis on the podcast with us. Hunter started his marketing business 10 years ago and scaled to a team of five consulting B2B businesses. But as his agency revenue grew, so did the pressure he felt from clients and his team. In talking with other agency owners, making five to 10 times the revenue he was, and aren't we, aren't we all talking to people making that much more than us? <laughs> he realized the headaches of running an agency weren't going away anytime soon. So after a period of burnout and personal reflection, which we've all been through, about a year ago, Hunter decided to pursue an alternative business model that channeled his team and their skill sets into a more profitable and scalable model. Hunter, welcome to the Friday Habit. (laughs) What's going on, Mark and Ben? I like this bio because I feel like it is something that a lot of us have struggled with or are struggling with currently. So I'm just really excited for this conversation to kind of just hear your story and hopefully it'll give us maybe some encouragement or just maybe some red flags like, oh, I better go get a real job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need a boss so I can just go clock in and clock out. (laughs) Hunter, you scared me. So I would be curious before. So this is real agency owner talk here. I'd be curious if I'm I'm alone in this or not. But I have a a theory that anyone who is doing this, that at about 8 p.m. on Friday night, you you actually have this dream job that is really simple. I've, I've noticed this theme with agency owners. So mine is a postal worker. Like what, what would that be like if all I did was wake up and put envelopes into something and drive them around and deliver them and people paid me money? Like that sounds so simple in comparison to what, what my job has been. I don't know. Do you guys have a, have a, a, a dream job that is much simpler? Yeah, mine would probably be like a line cook at like IHOP or something like that, you know, where I'm just like making eggs, making hash browns. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I think about this all the time. I don't know if I have one specific one, but like the postal worker sounds awesome. I would just like jump on my one wheel, like have like my, you know, my Messenger postal bag, bag be like, I, I would have like, I'd be just flipping out, you know, Listen letters to podcasts all yeah, day. Yeah, I'd just be like, dude, this isn't even work. I'm literally just doing my favorite thing all the time. Like, but, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I do have it. It's like a fantasy of like, I see people that are like out on a run in the middle of the day or I'm like, people are like, oh, did you catch up on this TV show or that? And 
I'm like, like, I don't understand. Where do you guys get all your time and your ability to do this stuff? It just like, seems like, why am I always doing things the hard way? (laughs) It's like, what if I just didn't care? And I just shut my brain off at five, went home and didn't care anymore. You know, I I definitely have had that (laughs) thought many times. Totally. Or when there's when there's traffic, you're like, don't you all have jobs? Why is there traffic in the midday? Yeah. Like, go go back <laughs> go to, to work. work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's there's two categories here, at least from my experience. It's like there's some of this that it just comes with entrepreneurship, right? Some of these mm-hmm. challenges is it's just called leading a company. And so whether you are an executive at Apple or you're an executive of a two person team or a one person team, like somebody's all always at the top of a business worrying about the business. So I accepted that that wasn't going away. But now when you talk about owning an agency and what I would call the uh, general agency model, often which is full of creating solutions for your clients, custom solutions, you know, they have a need and you don't want to hurt the relationship. So you spin up a way to help meet that need. I realized that some of my headaches in my professional life were directly tied to that. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I I identify with that. I remember. Sorry, Mark. I just, no, yeah, I just remember one time when I first started Knapsack. I remember we had a church client, and it started out as, "Oh, hey, we're gonna design a logo for you." Next thing was like, "Oh, they need a website. Okay, I can do that." I was like, "Oh, we need uh, visitor cards. All right. Well, I guess I could do visitor cards." Next thing is like, we need our stage designed and we actually need interior design for our entire sanctuary. And maybe you could help us pick out the carpet and the chairs. And I was like. Okay, what the heck? And so I literally like I had to look through magazines of carpet and I was like, I had no clue what I was doing. But anyways, yes, Hunter, I've been there. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's the uh if if you give a mouse a cookie. Hunter, do you have any children? I do. I have three. Have you read that book to them if you give a mouse a cookie? I or if you not. give a moose a muffin? Oh my goodness. How old are your children? You need to get this book. I'm sh- I'm sure I do. They are uh, eight, five, and one. So oh I'm sure. yeah, dude, you should be reading every <clears throat> night to these guys, and you need a book suggestion if you give a mouse a cookie, because it really helps you relate to all sorts of things in life. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Send me your address. I'll I'll, I'll send you a copy. That's right. Is that <laughs> my compensation for this interview? Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. It's like hey, we're gonna give you I a got free my payment. <laughs> I got you a children's book. Hey, You're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Well, hey, let's so let's let's back up a little bit because I I really I, I think you're onto something here. So I would love to kind of hear your story about how you started. You know what you were doing before you had an agency. When was that moment that you said, "Oh, I'm an agency"? You know, I mean, I think for me, right, I was just doing everything all by myself, and then I said, "I need help with this," and so then I started hiring contractors. And then I was like, all right, I need someone like dedicated time, like eight hours a day. And then I started hiring employees. And so I I would love to hear kind of your journey as far as like, you know, are you from L.A.? Where are you from? Yeah, I grew up for I did 30 years in Los Angeles. And uh, my story started by, you know, through high school and college. I was just making, you know, the three or four minute promo videos for local businesses kind of as just like my my project. And then I wasted a lot of money on a film degree, which is mm. one of the top five most unemployed degrees, but came out of college. <laughs> sound engineers. Yeah, exactly. So I came out of college and basically decided just to launch from there. I decided not to pursue Hollywood and that I really loved actually what video could do, which was grow a business. And so actually coming out of college, I had had a 
job with a salary, full-time salary opportunity. And I turned that down and fresh out, was literally graduating college. I had gotten married my senior year uh, and my wife was pregnant. And I decided to turn down the salary job. What consistency and a regular paycheck? No. No. That's no. I was like, let's do this business thing. Uh, And so I found a college friend, right? And I said, hey, would you like to do this with me? And so we decided to partner in business together. Uh, And in our first year, I think we probably made like $20. No, it was probably like 20, (laughs) maybe 40,000, you know, or something really meager. So now how did you, how did you even have that like idea or like, how did you even make that decision in the sense of, you know, were you already kind of just going to school and doing some side hustle where you're making like, you know, several thousand bucks a year and you're like, oh, wow. Like, I think I could like, like, what was it that made you think like I could maybe make a living at this? And then even having a partner is even like, what? Like now you got to split that money with somebody else. Like. I mean, what was the, what was going through your head in that moment? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I had no idea this would be such a reflective podcast for me, <laughs> my, my spiritual journey here. It's been a long time since I thought about this stuff, guys. Welcome uh, to therapy. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, I think I, I had definitely, I had had several experiences. All right, you ready? We'll try and make this story quick. So the first time I made money creating content, was as an eighth grader. And so for one year, my little brother was in, uh, it was in Little League. And what I would do after school is I would ride my bike to the local Little League field. And then right out in center field, there was this little bench and I'd set up a video camera with a mini DV tape in it. I put it on a tripod and I would record whatever Little League team was playing that evening, right? There were like eight or 10 teams. I'd record them. I recorded probably 70% of the games that season for everyone. Then what I did is I found any time, you know how like if you've ever watched a Little League baseball game, there's about uh, three times anyone hits a ball, right? Like yes, three there's right. like three times in any given game that anything moderately exciting happens other than like, oh, like, you know, they had a lot of foul balls and now he gets to walk or whatever. So what I did then is I edited together all of those moments and I would create the Little League Padres highlight clip. And it ended up being like 15 minutes of footage. I'd burn those suckers to a DVD and then my parents would drive me to the team party and I would I would play it at the team party. And I was like, you know, I'll sell them for $10. And my dad was like, no, those things are 50. So I made two two to $3,000 as an eighth grader, you know, filming little league games. And I was hooked. Like that was a part, right? Yeah. And so you're like, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I figured out like, Oh, that's a ruined into the game. Yeah. yeah. Ru- ruined for life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, like if you account for age inflation, it's like I made 3 million, like in eighth grade dollars. That's like three <laughs> oh, yeah. Seriously. You can buy all the bubble gum and like, you know, Funko pops and <laughs> you know, Pokemon cards you can, you can handle. (laughs) So, okay. So then, so then you kind of continued that side hustle, like through high school and then kind of into college, you, you kind of continued that. Is that, is that how it kind of went on? And then, yeah. And then as you were wrapping up film school and spending tens of thousands of dollars, you're like, you know what? (laughs) Let me not use this degree. Yeah, yeah. And I think what what came clear to me coming out of it is, you know, I had a few clients that, you know, I really 
like that we started to move towards website work because here's the call that I wanted, Mark. I wanted to create a promo video for a company and I really wanted the CEO or whoever hired me to call me back and say, Hunter, we posted your amazing explainer video. Revenue is up Mm. 10%. And Mark, mm. that never happened, right? They no. liked the video. No. Yes. Uh, they appreciated it. It was helping. But, you know, I, as a good entrepreneur, have been trained, you know, you want to sell value. If you want to make money, sell value. So I'm like, man, mm-hmm. if revenue goes up 10%, that's value. Then I could charge a lot more money for these videos. It wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So I said, it's because they're mm. putting my beautiful website, or excuse me, my beautiful video on this ugly website. So then we go into work website development. The call still mm. doesn't come. And then I come across the idea of messaging. So, cause I noticed this trend and it was that clients kept asking me, Hey, you know, we love the video. Is it okay if we took some of that script and we used it on our website? Mm. And I said, yeah, sure. And what I didn't realize was the X factor to why our videos were working and why we got referrals was actually our ability to clarify the message around the organization. It was the script we were writing. So that's mm. when I started to work with executives directly on this idea of, hey, what is the marketing message at the foundational level around this organization? And then let's build marketing on on top of that. And when I did get, when I put that piece into place, Mark, that was when it was like, all right, I finally got the call, revenue's up 10% and more. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So you, you forego this job, you, you have this partner, right? That you decide to go into business with. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, How did that turn out? Uh, that's a great question. That partner actually just called me on the phone. I just hit mute on him. So we are now, uh, we <laughs> well, are now, we, know ten, how that went. <laughs> we are now 10 years into this and okay. shockingly, uh, we are still working together. Uh, okay. so yeah, that is a shock because I feel like a lot of times I remember when I first started brand Viva, you know, seven years ago, I did a lot of research and I had somebody who, who wanted to be my you know partner. And then I was like, you know what? I can't have somebody else trying to make decisions or I, I need to call all the shots, you know, and be the person that makes the final call on something and not have to worry about, you know, somebody else trying to speak into it. Like, this is not a democracy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that, that's a good question. And I think that's probably relevant to your listeners is this idea of partnership. So something I ask myself now is like, do I regret that choice? Because it does come with certain things. But my my experience was I think having a business partner is awesome early in your career. And because I we never, I would have never, I would have crashed and burned after two to three years mm-hmm. if I didn't have a partner, just somebody yeah. to endure it with. And a lot of entrepreneurs, a number one problem that they talk about is they're lonely, right? Right. Uh, I have not been lonely in my entrepreneurship journey. And we had a phrase which was, uh, you know, because we did have to have conversations over time of like ownership and all of that. I am the majority owner. It is not an equal partnership. So I don't think that that's necessarily the right call. Uh, But that being said, I got to a point and we had a phrase which was win big or lose big. And there's this idea of like, if I win big, well, will it be the best if I just won and I made all this money and I look next to me, there's no one standing there? Or Mm -hmm. am I going to go to the top of a mountain and have someone to put my arms around as we've built something really cool together? So I'm glad to say we're nine years in and we still have a really strong partnership. And I'm glad 
However, that being said, my next project, like one of my projects I'm working on right now is a brand called Dad Field Guide, which is basically a resource for dads who feel lonely and on the journey of fatherhood. Uh, I've made it very clear to my business partner, this is my project and I'm going to go do something. You know, I'm building other assets and projects outside of it uh, without partners because they do come with some some risks. Yeah, I could I could definitely you know, empathize with that and understand too how uh, having someone to, you know, share the burden with it would be beneficial and, um, you know, needed in, in some ways, you know, but I was always afraid cause I, you know, I, I had, I was in a band for many years and, mm-hmm. you know, we were a democracy and there was five people making five decisions and, you know, it was just, it was always, it was always just difficult, you know, because it was like if I felt a certain way and someone else didn't, then it was like, all right, well, now you're trying to play the game of Survivor where you're getting people on your side to like, you know, make a decision about something and and whatnot. And so, you know, I, I and I too, it's like I, I had a lot of friends that maybe wanted to be a part of what I was doing. But then I was like, well, I don't want us to like ruin our friendship or, you know, have something go south. And then it like you know, kind of messes up a good thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. But in the same way, I think that, yeah, there are people that, um, you know, if you connect with and you guys have similar goals and values and a similar like vision of what you're trying to achieve that, man, I think two can do it better than one for sure. So it's just double the network, double the, you know, like being able to split up the responsibility and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And depending on, you know, strong suits, Right. It's like one of the burdens that I always had to bear early on. Right. It was like I had to do everything. Like, mm-hmm. even though my my strong suit wasn't books and accounting and other things like that, it's like, well, I'm the guy who has to do it. I can't say, hey, are you better at this than me? Like, hey, you should take this on, you know? So, yeah, no, that's good. Okay. So, you guys, you guys start this business. You start to see the, the value in providing messaging and helping clients, you know, clarify their message when did you start hiring people? Like when, when were you spinning so many plates that you said, all right, we need to start bringing on, you know, more people to kind of help out. Yeah. I think that was probably about five to six years into the, into the process that we began to feel comfortable with that. So we were working with subcontractors before, but Mm -hmm. not trying to float anyone else's, you know, main gig, if you will. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like it was once we got into the, the game of actually signing full contracts where we were doing the message, the website, the brand, you know, sometimes logos, videos, all that all together. That was the point, uh, at which we were doing those types of contracts that we started hiring. And the first team member we added was somebody to work in the kind of copywriting space, just because, back to roles and all of that piece, it was this idea of like, I got a lot of ideas. I don't have time to write them down or turn them into things that sound nice. And so mm-hmm. that was a great hire. Uh, and again, my business partner, he was in the design role. So then we hired a designer. And the last person we, we hired was, you know, a video manager who was able to take on a lot of those responsibilities. And so yeah, that was the point that we got to, you know, a downtown cute office. It was in a historic building. It was a, you know, a, was a train station and it was all really oh, cool. Yeah. We're all meeting in the office. And to me, 
that was the dream that I had had. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I got to that point and I kept being like, all right, where are we going next? And there were no more tracks in my brain of where we wanted to go next. Mm-hmm. And except, except the only track in your brain was eight o'clock Friday night postal worker. You're like, that sounds simpler just to tie it back where you were going. It's like, is that where that started happening when you were at that point where you're like, okay, I've achieved what I was shooting for. And now you're like in the back of your head, like thinking about that, like, Oh, maybe there's a simpler way or maybe I don't have to do that. Yeah. I feel like I'm trying to think of something like more articulate to say than this, but I think it was the point at which we were working with clients and it started to feel like the same loop, you know, uh, you were, you, you had maybe put into the contract, you know, we'll do two to three revisions, but you were getting to revision four and you kind of don't feel like you totally delivered. So you're not really charging them for it, but then, you know, and they're asking the same questions and you're kind of arguing about, you know, things that actually just come down to a philosophy of marketing, but you know, they're the bigger company and you're the, the marketing agency that doesn't actually have any, you know, you're working for all types of clients, right? I was working for a pharmacy, a a manufacturer, a winery, right? So they have the upper hand because I don't know their industry. They're the expert. And that was just a reality that came with kind of running a general marketing agency for everyone. How how did you get get business? Like what what was your main, you know, I mean I I feel like man, living in California, that was a very competitive market. Like I'm sure creative agencies, video production houses, like there're dime a dozen out there. Like were were most of your leads coming via word of mouth? Were your clients on retainer or were you having to do project work like and constantly keep the pipeline full of new clients? What did that look like? Yeah. So we ended up basically what I would consider we outsourced our marketing. Uh, And what I mean by that is we found that we worked our X factor. What we were really good at was helping people B2B businesses that were really boring and complex. We were really good at simplifying their message and making it exciting. And so the people who were looking for doing that just happened, you know, to be came to us through an organization called StoryBrand. And so basically, the way that I saw it, I read the book and I was like, oh, this is what I do for people. So somebody much Mm -hmm. smarter with much more of a network than me had written a book, had sold people on the idea that they should clarify their message. And they had an opportunity that for $5,000 a year, I could, you know, get referrals from them. And so I basically didn't have to do the marketing. I just resolved that, you know, that was a good enough strategy for where we were out at that point. So we got leads through there and it was great because they wanted to buy what we did. Mm. Yeah. Kind of honed in and niched essentially what you were offering where you didn't have to kind of resell them on this idea of the story brand you know, method or system and saying, Hey, this is how we, you know, get people to clarify their message and blah, blah. like they were kind of already sold on the idea by the time they, they kind of came to you. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And then usually, you know, in the sales process, it then just came down to, you know, helping them translate a few things on the fly, you know, like one time, you know, there was a, an orthodontist and I think they're, they were like, I was like, what do you guys do? You know? And it's like, well, we apply uh, mechanical mechanisms to the, to teeth to uh, create better smiles or something like that. I was like, sort of, wait, I was like, the problem you solve, your headline needs to be, we fix crooked teeth. Cause I actually don't even know what an orthodontist 
totally is. But if you if you had that, you know, we, you'd do really well. If you just put we fix crooked teeth, you'd have a, probably a line yeah. of customers. Yeah. I just got to say, Hunter, you're like one of my favorite people to talk to about messaging because you just sometimes come up with the most clear, obvious thing. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? But it's so good. We fix crooked teeth. So simple. So good. Every orthodontist should have that on their homepage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's I love- funny. I, I, I have been through that with some clients and, you know, they try to explain all this thing. And, and at the end of the day, you're like, well, really, you just do this. And they're like, well, yeah, but that's like really simple. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly that's what, good. That's, that's what you good. want. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't feel insulted. It's like this is the best way to help people understand what you help them with. It's not it's not devaluing what you do, you know. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah, or or awesome. you think I think sometimes people think, oh, it's gotta be this real, like ethereal, creative, right. yeah, you know, right. thing. It's like, no, we just offer insurance for less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit system that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, Also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. Friday.